prayer. Amen. How is everyone this morning? Five degrees on October the 30th this morning. I'm impressed that you all are here. Welcome. Hey, that's why I, I decided to pull out my 100% rag wool sweater to stay warm right now. I have some good news before I start. I want to let you know that Frankie and I are happy to tell you and to report that we had grandchild number 11 born. You can turn that, or you can look at it. Her name is Brielle. She was seven pounds right on the dot, and uh, that's number 11. Our oldest grandchild's name is Gabe. Hers is Brielle. You put them together, you get Gabe Brielle. Yeah. Everything's poetic in the Shillington family. But uh, yeah, we're so happy. Can't wait to meet little Brielle. She's number four in the Blaine's family. They have three boys, and they finally got a girl. They're so excited. So. All right, we're going to look at the book of Ruth this morning. I'm going to jump right in there. It's a short little history book in the Bible about this remarkable lady. It's only four chapters long, but it's a bright spot in a very dark period of history. Samuel was probably the author of the book of Ruth, and he named it the book of Ruth because it tells the story about how this lady named Ruth fought for her family saved a family legacy that would ultimately bring redemption to the world through Jesus. The key verse of the book of Ruth is a great verse. It's a verse that tells us how Ruth went after God's grace. It says in Ruth 2.12, May the Lord reward you for what you have done, and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings... You have come for refuge. So the story of Ruth is much more than a Harlequin romance novel. It's not that. It's a story about God's history of salvation, about salvation history that illuminates the story of God's love for the human race, the story of God's grace, how God provides grace in a very dark time, in a very dark place. So here's Ruth, a foreigner. She's an outsider from Moab. She's not a Jewish woman. She just so happens to find this kinsman redeemer named Boaz in Bethlehem of Judea to continue the messianic line through the tribe of Judah. And it's a picture of God at work in a dark time, in a dark place, working behind the scenes, caring for his people, surprising us with his grace, revealing his steadfast love, bringing the kingdom to earth, just like we finish singing right now, through ordinary people like Ruth. And so there are three things that pull us into the story. There's this picture of this description of the troubles of life, the difficulties of life, the afflictions of life. It was a time of famine, Ruth's husband died, or her father-in-law died, her brother-in-law died, and, uh, and life is at the bottom. And so there's this picture of tragedy, of life at the bottom. But then there's also this picture of the providence of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God that is always working, even in the midst of these troubles of life. And then the third thing is this picture of God 
working in our family to redeem and to shape our, a lasting family legacy. Now, the first, book, first verse of the book records important historical background information that provokes us to ask the question, how is God going to work in a very dark time? Verse 1 says that in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So these, it tells us that these events described in the book of Ruth took place during the time of the judges, which was a very dark chapter in Israel's history. The book of Judges tells us of a time where it was like a, a moral collapse that took place in Israel. There was also a time of famine, it says. Not only famine of food, but famine of faith. And then the last verse of Judges, so the verse just preceding the opening of the book of Ruth is an interesting verse. It, it leads into the story of Ruth, and it's not there by accident. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So the story of Ruth is connected theologically with the last verse of Judges to describe the movement of God's story of salvation history, of what God's doing to bring salvation to our world. And it's describing a very dark chapter in human history, but then it's entering Ruth and how God's going to work through Ruth's life. And then the last few verses of the book of Ruth in the fourth chapter describes that through Ruth, there would come King David, which would be an introduction to the book of Samuel, where God would raise up some kings in Israel and this golden age in the time of Israel during the reign of David. And so it shows us how God is providentially working in a dark time to break into human history and the human struggle to bring hope and to bring redemption. And the next thing that the introduction to Ruth tells us is that this, there's this Jewish family that leaves Bethlehem. Bethlehem means the house of bread, and it's a time of famine, and they go to Moab because the times were hard, the economy had bottomed out, food was scarce, and it says that a severe famine came upon the land, so a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. So that tells us something significant. It tells us that the story is centered in a place called Bethlehem in Judea. And it points to then, and it's anticipating another story that will also take place through this same family line at the, of the same tribe of Judah in the same little town of Bethlehem many years later. So something is happening here in Bethlehem that will be a, like a light from heaven in a very dark time on earth, and it anticipates another story that the kingdom of God is going to break through and uh, through a faithful bridegroom that will be coming to our world and it's going to replace the time of the judges so it begs the question anticipates the question how is god going to work during this dark time 
And the answer is that God's going to work in Bethlehem, and he's going to work through this little lady called Ruth. And here's this, think about it, this obscure woman from Moab, not a famous patriarch of Israel, who lives in a wicked age of apostasy, not a time of spiritual awakening and opportunity, and she experiences some of the hardest kinds of suffering, death, loss, famine, homelessness, and despite all of her disadvantages, cultural, economic, spiritual, environmental, circumstantial, Ruth allows God to work through her life to bring a good purpose through her disadvantages and suffering that would shape ultimately a lasting legacy that would bless the entire world through her. The Messiah would eventually come through Ruth's line. So through Ruth's life, God blesses her family and by doing so blesses the entire world. And what's really significant to point out is that despite all of these disadvantages and all of these difficulties, Ruth did not allow them to define her, to destroy her. And so it causes us to ask the question, what was it then that caused Ruth to make such a difference? Why does she stand out in this story of salvation history in the scriptures, even with so many disadvantages and so many difficulties stacked against her? Well, the answer is in the key verse of the book of Ruth, and it tells us that when life got hard, Ruth ran to God for refuge. And the key to her lasting legacy, to her strong faith, is found in the words of a blessing that Boaz gave to Ruth in Ruth 2.12. Boaz says, May the Lord reward you for what you have done, and may you receive a full reward from the Lord your God, under whose wings you have come for refuge. That little phrase, under whose wings you have come for refuge, is the key to understanding why Ruth's life made such a difference. Boaz believed something, and it's good theology. He believed that God rewards everyone, that God blesses, in other words, that God's good grace flows up on the shores of everyone's life who comes to the Lord by faith for refuge, to find refuge in God, who trusts in God. And that's an important statement of theology about God's plan of salvation. Boaz says that there's blessings that flow into our life and blessings flowed into the life of Ruth because she came running to God for refuge. When life got hard, she went after a relationship with God. And that's the key to understanding the book of Ruth, that she found that the most secure life comes through a relationship with God. I was reading a, a textbook on Old Testament theology this week and was surprised to see a reference to this very verse, this blessing of Boaz to Ruth. And it said that this conviction 
or this theology of Boaz that God rewards all who take shelter in the Lord is the main theme of the book of Ruth and also one of the central themes of the whole Old Testament. Now here's something that I've learned about life. Our lives are writing a story that is lived between two realities. The reality of suffering, sufferings we experience in life, and everyone experiences some form of suffering. Suffering is a reality. And the story of our lives is written between that reality, the reality of suffering, and the salvation of God. There's the troubles of life, and the providence of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the salvation of God that runs side by side on parallel tracks. Both exist in all of our lives, suffering and the offer of salvation from God. And our legacy will be defined by how we walk between those two tracks, those two realities. Our identity of who we are will be shaped by which one we run to, whether we focus primarily on the sufferings that we have or we've run to God as a place of refuge. There's a great little poem that was written by Ella Wheeler Wilcox that describes these two realities. She, she talks about there being two ways that we can walk. She says, to every man there opens a highway and a low, and every mind decides the way his soul shall go. One ship sails east, another west, by the selfsame winds that blow. Tis the set of the sails and not the gales that determines the way we go. Like the winds of the sea are the waves of time as we journey along through life. Tis the set of the soul that determines the goal and not the calm or the strife. I just love that line. Tis the set of the soul that determines the way that we go, go and not the calm or the strife. And that's what made Ruth's life a lasting legacy. When life got hard, she ran to God for refuge. She discovered one relationship that would hold her steady when all of the other relationships would fall apart. And Ruth teaches us that there's no way you can lose. I mean, that's one way of putting what Boaz says in regards to the blessing. Actually, he says your life will be blessed when you run to God for refuge. There's no way we can lose when we cast our cares on the providence of God. No way you can lose when you do that. And Ruth must have passed the same good theology on to her great-grandson, King David, when he wrote in his psalm, Psalm 34, 19, he said, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. There's those two realities, troubles and the triumph of God, suffering and the salvation of God. And David said, the righteous person will have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Maybe when he wrote those words, he was thinking of a legacy that had been handed down to him from his great-grandmother, Ruth. And David said, our life tells the story that is lived between these two realities. The righteous will have many troubles, 
but the Lord knows how to deliver us from those troubles. You can't lose when you run to the Lord for refuge. So let's look at Ruth. Ruth's name in Hebrew means friend. She was a compassionate friend to her mother-in-law, Naomi. But first and foremost, I believe that she was a friend of God. And all of her relationships were defined by this greater relationship that she had. She found friendship with God. Now, there's something about Ruth's heart that intrigues me. And it's hard to describe. What would be the best word that we could find to describe what it means for Ruth to be a person who ran to God for refuge? What word could we find to describe this lady, this wonderful woman who made a difference, who had a heart that ran hard after God? I wanted to give you a glimpse of the kind of heart that Ruth had for God. She, as I said, she was not a Jew, but her deceased husband was a Jew. He died young before they could ever have any children, and because he died without having any children, his family property was in danger of being lost, and the family name was in danger of being forgotten forever. But Ruth would not settle for that, and that's the heart of the story. The Old Testament law, somehow, somewhere along the line, Ruth had heard about the Old Testament law, and it sparked hope in her heart that there was a God, the God of Israel, had promised to provide for his children. And she remembered those marriage laws that were recorded in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. And, uh, and she boldly went after it because she knew that it reflected the grace of God for her and the heart of God for her. The marriage law stated that it allowed a dead man's relative to produce an heir for the dead man so that his family property would not be lost and his name would continue on in perpetuity. This person was called a kinsman redeemer, a family friend who would redeem the the family legacy from this terrible uh, circumstance. And it expresses a key principle in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the principle of substitution, that there would be there would be that someone would come who would stand in the place of another to make an exchange to give their reality and their provision of grace for another one, for another person. And Ruth had the boldness to go after God for this kind of redemption. She believed that God was a God who would keep his word. I just love Ruth. There wasn't a shred of doubt in her heart that God would honor his word that he had stated in the law of Moses about a kinsman redeemer, and she ran after it. Even though she was not Jewish, she said, I'm going after that for me because I believe that describes the heart of God and I'm going after it for myself and for my circumstances. And I don't know about you, but I was thinking about this the last few weeks, and, I, and I've been telling the Lord, Lord, I want to run after your word like that. 
I want to run after your word like that. I want to believe every promise in this book. I want to have that kind of stubborn audacity to believe God's word is true for me, for our generation, for my children, my great-grandchildren. So how do we describe a heart like that? I want to describe Ruth's heart. 25 years ago, I was fishing for steelhead on the Anchor River with my friend Larry Canute. Larry is a retired English teacher from Anchorage, and he's written several Alaskana books. Maybe you've read his books on the, uh, the Alaska Bear Tales, and uh, he wrote another one called Cheating Death about airplane crashes in Alaska. And uh, af- we were fishing together on the Anchor River, and after several hours of standing in the water, not doing very great at fishing, Larry startled me. He walked up behind me, and he said, Dale... He said, think of one word that describes the color of the water. He said, you got it? I said, okay, I got it, Larry. He said, now describe one word that, that, that describes the, the sound of the water. Okay, I got it, Larry. He said, now put it together in a sentence. <laughs> he was an English teacher. He was a writer. He was a wordsmith. And uh, for years later, every time I see Larry, I say, hey, Larry, think of one word that describes, the, you know, and I'll, And it's a joke between us. But I thought about that. You know, when I read the story of Ruth, it leaves me searching for the good, better, best word to describe the kind of heart that God loves, that, that goes after God and that makes a difference for her generation and leaves a lasting legacy. How do you describe a heart that runs after God? To say that, oh, Ruth was an amazing woman, it's just not good enough. to to say only that. Something more needs to be said. Why was Ruth so special? What word can we use to express what made her so different? Well, for me, the one word that describes Ruth best is actually a Jewish word. It's a Yiddish word. Yiddish is a language developed by German uh, Jews. It was written in Hebrew characters spoken by Jews in Central and Eastern European origin. And the word I'm thinking of that best describes Ruth is the word chutzpah. Chutzpah. You ever heard of the word chutzpah? When I read the life of Ruth, chutzpah is the one word that comes to mind. Ruth was special because she had enormous chutzpah. She had what we could call a chutzpah heart. Well, what's chutzpah? Well, chutzpah is uh, my Australian shepherd Jedi running after the moose, and chasing the moose out of our yard. Chutzpah is the boldness to go after something. It's like a friend of mine described me when I was working with my honeybees in Fairbanks. He said, Pastor Dale, you have holy boldness working with those honeybees. <laughs> he called it holy boldness, the chutzpah to, to go after the honeybees. Well, When Frankie and I were much younger, we used to enjoy switching seats in a Volkswagen Beetle Bug while driving down the interstate highway running 60 miles an hour. Now, that is not necessarily an admirable example of chutzpah, but it's chutzpah. See, chutzpah can be both negative, it can be positive. There are more than 100 court cases where 
judges have written the word chutzpah in their decisions. For example, the one case appeared in 1972 at the Court of Appeals in Georgia where the word was used to describe this guy who broke into the sheriff's office, office to steal guns. <laughs> and, and the judge said that this guy had chutzpah to do that, you know, to break into the sheriff's office to steal guns. It's like the courage that I had years ago when I asked my beautiful bride out for the first date. We're sitting in the dining hall in the Bible school in Florida, and uh, I was sitting at a table with four other guys, and we're talking about who are we going to take to the school picnic that weekend at Jonathan Dickinson State Park, and uh, to a man, every one of them ran around the table and says, well, I was thinking of asking Frankie Fisco out for a date. And they're saying, nah, it's no good to ask her. She, she was here all last year, and she, she turns every guy down that asks her for a date. Don't bother asking her. And it got, well, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. And it came to me, and I kept my mouth shut because I knew I really, really wanted to ask her out for a date. And so I made a plan with my buddy who was, uh, I was my, my work job at the Bible school was to do pots and pans for the noon lunch. And so I made a deal with him. I said, hey, will you cover for me when she brings her tray to the window? And here in my apron, I ran out of the kitchen and, and got a hold of her before she left the dining hall. And I said, hey, Frankie, I was wondering if you would be willing to be interested in accompanying me at the school picnic this weekend at Jonathan Dixon State Park. And she said, Sure, I'd love to. And I was so shocked by that because everybody had said, she'll turn you down. I said, really? <laughs> well, I like to think I maybe had a little bit of chutzpah to go after that beautiful gal from South Carolina when everybody else didn't have the courage to do it. Chutzpah is like that. It's the gumption or the spunk to go after something. It's shameless audacity, somebody has described it. It's determined persistence. It's resolute determination. It's having the nerve to act confidently rather than giving in to anxiety. It's the refusal to accept second best. It's the refusal to accept status quo. And Ruth went after the heart of God, the word of God, with a chutzpah heart. She knew there was provision in the word of God that prevented family legacy from being lost. And the book of Ruth is based on two laws in the Old Testament, in the book of Moses, that preserve family legacy. I've mentioned it already, but just to, to, to clarify, one is found in the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, verse 23, and this one specified that in the case or the event of a time of poverty, where a family lost everything and they had to sell their land and they were suffering the risk of losing it all, that the next of kin would be given the right to redeem it back for the family and restore it back to that family legacy. So this was a time of poverty. There was a provision made to preserve the family line. And then the second one is found in the book of Deuteronomy that in the event of a man's death, which, was, which happened in the case of Ruth, that it was the duty of the brother or the nearest of kin to take on the widow as his wife 
and to raise up a child for him to bear his name and inherit his lands. And so there was these two provisions in the law of Moses in the time of poverty, which happened in the case of Ruth. A, a famine was in the land. They had to leave Bethlehem and go to Moab. And the event of a death. Well, her husband died while they were in Moab. And both of these laws are designed to preserve family legacy. So somewhere, Ruth learned about them, and she went after them for herself. She didn't want her family legacy to be lost, and so she believed that the word of God would be a promise for her. And that's chutzpah, isn't it? That's, she was not Jewish, she was a Moabite, yet she went after the heart of God for herself. And she knew that God's grace could reach her as well, an outsider, one who was outside of the covenant of Israel, that God's grace extended to everyone in the world, not just to the Jewish people. And so she stands as a model of faith in a dark time. She knew that she could boldly believe that the grace of God would lap up on the shores of her life as well. So Ruth approached Boaz. One evening while he was sleeping and uncovered his feet and lay down. And Boaz asked the question, who are you? And she said, well, I'm your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a kinsman redeemer for our family. Now, Ruth did not say spread the corner of your garment over me because she was cold or because she was immodest. She was going after the promise of God because there was a biblical foundation for what she was asking for, for her request. Jewish men wore blue tassels uh, on their garments, and the purpose for those blue tassels, it tells us in the book of Numbers, was so that they would look at it and remember the commandments of the Lord. So there's Boaz with a garment with blue tassels, which are for the purpose of not forgetting the provision of God's grace recorded in the law of Moses. And Ruth, was when she said, um, uh, spread the corner of your garment over me, she was calling upon Boaz to remember the commands of God to marry her and honor his own faith in God. Isn't that exciting? Ruth was bold to go after it, to go after the provision of God in God's word for her. And that's chutzpah. She was saying, me too, me too. I can be included in God's reach of grace as well. She was fighting to save her family. So do you think that God likes that kind of a heart? <laughs> I think he does. God loves faith. Book of Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And God loved the faith of Ruth. And Ruth shows us what faith looks like, that faith runs after the promises of God with shameless audacity, just like Abraham when he negotiated with God for the righteous people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Jacob had chutzpah when he wrestled with God to show mercy on the Israelite people and to go and ask God to bless him. Moses had chutzpah when he argued with God to show mercy on the Israelite people. Hannah had chutzpah when she prayed that God would give her a child. David had chutzpah 
when he ran up to the giant Goliath and he couldn't fathom how anyone could be afraid when God had promised to stand by his people. Elijah had chutzpah when he challenged the prophets of Baal and prayed unrelentingly until it finally rained. Jesus taught us that we should approach God with the audacity of a man who would wake up his neighbor in the middle of the night to get some bread for unexpected guests. Jesus said that we should be like a child that pesters his father for food. Jesus said that we should pray with the same boldness of a woman who would go pleading and knock on the door of this godless and uncaring judge until he gave her friend some justice. That's a chutzpah heart. Now, I'm sure that you've heard of this great lady in our own recent history, Corrie ten Boone who during the Holocaust, she fought to save a generation of Jews. What was the secret secret of Corrie ten Boone's chutzpah heart? Well, I have a quote up there that I ran across that expresses it so well. Corrie ten Boone said, I've experienced his presence in the deepest, darkest hell that men can create. And I have tested the promises of the Bible And believe me, you can count on them. (laughs) That's the same kind of faith that Ruth had. I'm going to go after the word of God. I'm going to run into God's presence as a place of refuge for my life. Is there anyone here this morning who will press into God's presence and trust him for your family legacy? I want to leave you with this final spiritual principle that comes out of the book of Ruth. And that is this, that if you furnish the willingness, if you come to God and say, me too, God, and you furnish the willingness, God will furnish the grace. God's blessings flow upon people who run to him and come under his wings for refuge. The last verses of Ruth Samuel wants us to know how God worked through Ruth's chutzpah heart and how she saved her family legacy. And they tell us that this family legacy that Ruth fought hard to save was literally the messianic line through which Jesus would come to earth. There's a short genealogy at the end of the book of Ruth and it it is there for a purpose. And it's there to tell us that there's a transition that's happening, and it happens because of Ruth. That Ruth would become the great-grandmother of the great king, King David. And the New Testament begins with the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew begins with a long genealogy. Have you ever read it? And in that genealogy, there's this little obscure little lady from Moab, Ruth, that's included in the messianic line of Jesus. God used Ruth to actually save the messianic line from extinction. Now, here's here's what we're to learn from Ruth. God is looking for people with a chutzpah heart to go after God's promises for our family, for our generation, for our circumstances. If God was looking for someone to keep the messianic hope alive. He was looking for someone with faith, someone who could cooperate with him, someone with a chutzpah heart 
And he found two people. He found Boaz and he found Ruth. And they both believed God's word and leaned into it, went after it, cooperated with it. They were willing to furnish the willingness and believe that God would furnish the grace, that God would bring the, the, the follow-through. And there's nothing random about the connection of Boaz meeting Ruth and Ruth meeting Boaz. They believe that the goodness of God always runs parallel with the sufferings of life. And that's what God is asking you to be willing to do today. Rather than focusing so much upon your troubles and your circumstances, those exist in all of our lives, some to a greater degree and lesser degree than others, of course. But will you believe that the province of God, the, the grace of God, the love of God runs parallel to all the sufferings of life? And as David said, he delivers us. He delivers us from all of our troubles. Don't you love what it says in Ruth chapter 2? So Ruth set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she just happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech, who was Ruth's deceased husband's deceased father. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Was that just a random connection? The Bible says she happened. It's kind of like we're supposed to read that with a wink in the eye, right? <clears throat> that this was not just a random connection. This was a divine arrangement. Ruth furnished the willingness, and God made it happen. He furnished the grace. Ruth's faithfulness made her available for a miracle. And these words, she just happened, defines the story of the book of Ruth. For Ruth and Boaz, it might have looked like an accident, but it wasn't for God. God was working and weaving his story of salvation through the tragedy of the circumstances of their lives. So if you can trust a puzzle company to make sure every piece is in that box when you buy it and in order to complete the puzzle, then why can't you trust God that every piece of your life is there for a reason and it's going to weave a beautiful tapestry and a wonderful portrait of God's purpose for your life? Well, let's wrap up with these thoughts. The book of Ruth was written to bring closure to a dark time, the time of the judges, and to usher in this golden age, the age of King David. And it starts with a family leaving Bethlehem, and it ends with a family returning to Bethlehem. It takes us from a time of sunken hope, and it brings us to a time of risen hope. It takes us from the death of a legacy, the death of a husband, into a legacy that is redeemed by God and reborn. Ruth starts with this genealogy totally wiped out and ends with a genealogy that God resurrects and raises up. And here's what I want to say to you right now in closing. God can redeem and restore your family legacy, your story, the tragedy, the circumstances, the disappointments, the disadvantages of your life. And can I encourage you to fight for your family, to run after God with a chutzpah heart. You can trust every promise in God's word. And you will never regret the day that you decide to make friendship with God 
the most important relationship in your life. You'll never regret it. Run to Him, whatever you're going to through this morning. Run to Him and make Him your place of refuge. Better is one day, David said, in your courts, in fellowship with God, in the presence of God, than a thousand elsewhere. God can make His reality your new identity. And that's the gospel. He wants to make a transfer from His account into ours. He's our kinsman redeemer. He's our bridegroom who came to bring his reality into our reality. And he wants to exchange all of the abundance of his life and give it as a provision to us. And he will give you grace to live in a dark place. If you will furnish the willingness, I promise you, God will furnish the grace. God bless you. Lord Jesus, I just ask that you will stir up our hearts to, to embrace the promise of God. I believe you're speaking right now. You're, you're just stirring up hope, Lord. Just fam that flame. Whatever we're going through right now, Lord, we run after the word of God and say, me too, that's for me. Lord, if there's someone who feels left out, I pray that you will show them the reach of your grace that extends to them down in the Moab of their own circumstances. God, you reach us there. We don't want to be defined by our circumstances. We want our life to be defined by what the grace of God is capable of doing. So Lord, help us not to focus on our sufferings, but on your salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.